If you have your Bibles today, let's go ahead and turn over to Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14, where we're going to continue our series on the Red Sea rules. And um, as we've been listening to Pastor Jason speak for the last several weeks, it's, it's amazing to me how the story of the people of Israel and how that they have inter, had to interact with the world around them. Um, it's amazing to me how that story has kind of taken new life in my own thinking. Um, so I want to kind of lead us down a path of, 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 of picturing what it would be like to be part of the people of Israel at this time. Imagine, if you will, if you had been hearing the truth of God's word your entire life, but you had, but you had been born into a, a nation where you were kind of considered the lowest of the low. You were a slave to the needs, desires, and wants of other people. I mean, imagine if you would, if every day you had to wake up and do the same menial task every day, but not even receive any of the material benefits of, 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 of accomplishing that task. Imagine that your life is only worth what the people in power say it is. You're a slave, and you're only worth what, 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 is, um, what you can produce for the betterment of the Egyptian people. Imagine waking up every day for 400 years. You're, 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 you, your kids, and your kids' kids will wake up in that same way, and you would be right in the middle of what it means to be a, an Israelite who has been born into slavery for the people of Egypt. Now, what's interesting about being born during that time period is that the scripture, that um, people didn't necessarily read the scripture all the time, but the generations were continually being reminded of what God's promise was to them. Because if you remember, what was happening before that is that um, God had made a promise to Abraham that someday his people would become a great nation. And while they were enslaved, this truth was continually being revisited and was continually being established into the lives and hearts of the people so that they were taught over and over again, even when the circumstances around them showed them that they were enslaved to other people, that they were continually being taught about the truth that God had a plan for the people of Israel. Now, imagine being told that your entire life while facing the negative circumstance of being a slave in Egypt at that time. Do you, do you think that there may have ever been a time when there could have been some doubt creep into the minds of the people of Israel? Maybe in year 250, year 275, maybe after hearing this thing that, would, that people are say is true, but your life experience doesn't seem to reflect the truth that is being taught in Scripture. Do you think there might have been some doubt? And then all of a sudden, God answers your prayers after all these years, and he sends a person named Moses in to help with the process of deliverance. And God reveals himself through all these miracles, right? He, he, God comes in and decides that he's going to, to, to kind of attack the gods of Egypt, the false gods of Egypt, and every one of the plagues that comes through is a direct assault onto the religion of the Egyptian people. And God is there to establish that he is God, and these false gods are not. And Moses comes in, and he's not exactly the leader the people of Israel were wanting. They were wanting, again, like as always, a political leader that would come in and free them by some kind of military force or, or whatever it is. And all of a sudden, Moses, through the power of God, succeeds, and he leads the people of Israel. After all of these years of enslavement, he leads them out of Israel. 
I mean, out of Egypt. And they begin making that long journey to the land that God had promised them. Then all of a sudden, <laughs> they find themselves in a unique place. All of a sudden, they look behind them and they see all the military might of the kingdom of Egypt bearing down on them, preparing to wipe out the progress they had made, not even to bring them back into slavery, but even to wipe them off the face of the planet. So they had the military at their back and in front of them, they had this gigantic sea, a sea that seemed uncrossable. And after all that they had gone through, for all these hundreds of years of enslavement and the doubts and fears and all of a sudden this seeming deliverance, do you think when they were faced with the enemy behind them and the sea in front of them that some doubts may have crept in again? Have you, have you ever felt that way? Have you ever been delivered from something only to walk into the next situation and then all of a sudden you're thinking from the frying pan into the fire? God, can I get a break? Something bad just happened. You've delivered me from it. And here I am on this next thing. And it seems as if we are right back where we started. I think that many of us can, can identify with that because the reality is the scripture tells us that in this world, you will have trouble. That there are going to be issues in your life. In fact, the, the, God promises that as long as we are living in this planet, there's going to be trouble. There's going to be struggles all along the way. But then he says this. He says, listen, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is he that if you're a follower of Jesus today, greater is he that is in you than he who is behind maybe the negative circumstances that are threatening to take you in a path you don't want to go down. You see, the people of Israel at this time had spent hundreds of years remembering that the promises that God had made are going to transpire. And they held on to those promises even in the midst of dark and troubling times. So our, our Red Sea rule today, you can write this down, is this. Listen, it's important that we view the current crisis that we face as a builder of our faith for the future. When we face a current circumstance, when we are facing that dark time in our life, it's important to understand that God is doing something more than just addressing the immediate circumstances that you are facing. There's more going on than just the trouble that's right in front of you. But we as followers of Jesus and we as human beings tend to look at the mountain in front of us as all that there is. We have a hard time viewing past or around or under the circumstances that we face ourselves in that moment. Never mind that the scripture over and over again says that he has the ability to turn something that the enemy means for evil into something for our and others good. We tend to think that this circumstance is right here. This is the biggest thing we're ever going to face ever. This is the end of me. This is the end of this circumstance. And God is up here saying he can, not only does he see it, but he's the author of all the good that can come even from the most negative circumstances if we will but trust him in it. We learn that from Exodus chapter 14. If you have your Bibles, turn there, starting in verse number 30. 
with all that context, with all that they have just gone through, all that they have faced, read these verses with me. Thus, the Lord saved Israel that day. Amen? That day, the Lord saved Israel from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. Now listen, this is the important part. So the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. They were given something that was amazing in this moment. They were given something to remember that would give them strength to face stuff in the future. You see, the people of Israel were told over and over and over again, remember what I have done, says the Lord. Remember what God has done. Remember the plagues of Egypt. Remember the God of power. Remember how God delivered you from the people of Egypt. Remember how God provided a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire to protect and lead. Remember how God opened the Red Sea and provided a way of escape. Remember those things. And God is, and, and the, the author of scripture is saying, listen, the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord. And the, the implication here is that for the remainder of the people of Israel's existence, they are commanded to remember all that God has done because it is the remembrance of God's goodness that gets us through the dark times. The enemy... The enemy wants you to focus completely on the negativity of your current circumstances. If he can get you to focus only on self and your pain and the way that you are feeling right this moment and convince you that those feelings will never change, convince you that the circumstances will never improve, if he convinces you that God couldn't possibly do anything good through these terrible circumstances, then he's won. But God promises, he promises that... He, the things that he has promised will come true and that he always keeps his promise. So what do the people of Israel have here? They were given something to remember. I mean, if you saw the Red Sea open right in front of you, would you remember that? Might that be something that sticks in your mind? I mean, even for me, I have memories of being very young and every Easter, the Ten Commandments would come on the TV. Anybody else watch the Ten Commandments, the old TV show, Cecil B. DeMille, that group? And I, and, and I would just sit there as a young kid just watching in awe as the, as the Red Sea opened up and, how, and, and this whole story came to life in my mind. And in, even now, I can picture the miracle of it being on an old TV show. Imagine being there in the person and seeing it happen. Do you think that might have been something that may have carried them through some rough times? Well, the good news is they needed it. They were about to spend 40 years meandering about the desert, trying to figure out what was next, trying to believing that God would one day lead them to the promised land. Again, they were faced with all kinds of negative circumstances. They didn't know where their food was going to come from. They didn't know where the water was going to come from. Some of them started complaining like crazy. Because, and they even said, you know, have you just freed us from Egypt so we can go out in the desert and die? They, they began to lose sight of the remembrance that God had placed in front of them. They, they forgot about the miracles God had done because the negativity of their current circumstances became so dark in their eyes. God's solution to all of this is to remind us to remember what God 
has done. And to look at our current negative circumstances, that current crisis, as something that can build our faith and give us something to hold on to in the middle of darkness. This is not just an Old Testament truth. If you flip over to the New Testament, go to Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to read a few scriptures in Hebrews 10, 11, and 12. Just a few. But the same idea has been given to us by the author of Hebrews. Starting in Hebrews 10, verse 32, he says this. But recall the former days. That's how he starts. Recall the former days. He's saying, listen, remember. Remember what happened in the past so that it can give you strength for the future. Continue reading. After you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle and sufferings. Sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence which has a great reward for you have need of endurance so that when you have done that will of God, you may receive what is promised. And listen, guys, this is why it's so important for us to share the stories of our life. If you were to talk to anybody in this room, I guarantee you that everybody in this room has a story about how they struggled at one point in their life, whether it be with their faith or with their health or with their kids or with no matter what it is, everybody in here has had dark times in their life. The problem is that we like to go to church and behave like none of us have dark times. We like to act like everything's okay if, because we believe that if we just trust in God that life is supposed to get easy. That's not true. In fact, that's a lie from Satan. The, the, Satan wants to convince you absolutely that you're the only one struggling. And nobody struggles like you do. Nobody's had the questions that are in your mind. You're the only one feeling that way. And so he, he expects us and he asks us and he, and he drives us to hide our struggle so that we have some kind of appearance of godliness when in reality is, is that if you were to honestly talk with one another, every one of you would have a struggle that you're currently going through, you have gone through, or you're getting ready to go through. So why is that important? Well, the author of Hebrews is saying, recall those days. Talk to your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ because I guarantee you that somebody has gone through something you are going through now and understands what you're going through. And he says, listen, recall the days when you were struggling. Recall the days when the church was being persecuted. Recall the days when things were not going well and, and, and you were even able to rejoice you were exposed to reproach and affliction and sometimes being partners with those so treated. You had compassion on those in prison and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property. Look back at what you've gone through and what you were able to accomplish while you were going through it through the power of the Holy Spirit. Look back at that so that you can see that God has been faithful to you and he has remained faithful to you. And because he has been faithful, you can absolutely believe that he will continue being faithful to you no matter what you are facing. And he says, listen, verse 35, and this is the, one of the biggest challenges for each one of us. This is something that, I, you know, write down. He says, therefore, do not throw away your confidence. Not your confidence in self, 
Not in conf- your confidence and your ability to somehow make yourself feel better, to, to pull yourself up by your bootstraps, to, to somehow overcome the issues in your life based on your own power and your own strength. He's not encouraging some kind of American self-reliance. He's com- he is completely calling these people to understand that their confidence needs to be in the only one who remains faithful. God is faithful. He says, don't throw away your confidence because that confidence in God has a great reward. He's not talking about physical reward. He's not talking about money. He's talking about the fact that God has promised never to leave you, to never abandon you, to walk with you even through the valley of the shadow of death. You don't have to fear any evil because the one who has gone there before will walk with you through it. These promises that he has made to us will endure and he will keep his promise because he is faithful. Don't throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, because you, and by you he is meaning all of us, we all have a need for endurance so that when we have done the will of God, we may receive what is promised. Verse 37, here's the promise. Yet a little while, and the coming one will come and not delay. Jesus is coming. And all this mess that is in front of us, all the tragedies that have happened in your life, every loss, everything that has been taken from us because we live in this world, every piece of sadness that has entangled our hearts Jesus is coming back and he's going to make it all right he's going to fix it there will be no more tears there will be no more crying there'll be no more pain no more sickness no more separation no more anxiety no more fear no more night because he's coming and just like the people of Israel were told hold on to what God has done. Remember what he has done because he is consistent and faithful and you can know what he's gonna do because of what he has faithfully done in the past. Your current circumstance needs to be considered a faith builder for your future. I'm gonna skip up to Hebrews chapter 11. Again, there's a, couple, a bit of a story that I think that you will We'll, we'll, we'll remember from what we just talked about from Exodus. Starting in verse number one of Hebrews 11, he says this, now faith is an assurance of the things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the people of old, by here we're talking about Moses and Abraham and all these guys, they received their commendation. Verse three, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. You see, what we're getting ready to explore in Hebrews chapter 11, all these folks in the Old Testament who, who, were, who were given opportunities to express their faith, many of them had opportunities laid before them to go do things that made absolutely no sense. By faith, Abraham, God said, go out there and I'll make a people out of you. Go where, Lord? There. Out there, somewhere. Just go. And he did. And he left, and God kept this promise. Even when he was a, almost, you know, over 100 years old, and God had said, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. He had no kids. God kept this promise, and his kids came. By faith, Noah, all these different people, all these stories where God commanded people to do amazing things. We can go back and read these amazing stories where people had to act out on amazing faith because they didn't have the entire picture of what God was going to do. 
You, again, we talk about this often, but the people in the Bible didn't have the Bible to know how the story was going to end. They didn't. They had to act out on faith. So go down to verse 23 in Hebrews 11, and we look at what Moses's story was. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents. By the way, that's the faith of his parents. Because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. 24, by faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He gave up royalty. 25, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Verse 26, he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking to what? To the reward the promises of God. You see, if there's ever a time in your life when you begin to lose sight and to lose belief in what God has promised, that darkness will come upon you. I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life when the circumstances that I am in seem so dark and thick and heavy that it's very difficult for me to turn my eyes to heaven and to turn back to what God has done. But that is exactly what we are called to do. Like Pastor Jason preached just a few weeks ago, we are called to not forget what, we, what God has done in the light when we are in the midst of the darkness. Do not forget his faithfulness when Satan is trying to question that faithfulness. Do not forget what God has done in the past because you are currently dealing with a circumstance that seems to call that into question. Remember that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You see, your current experience should lead to future remembrance of God's faithfulness. Your current experience, if we look at it through the lens of God's eyes, is an opportunity for us to have something to remember about his faithfulness in the future. Turn over one more page to Hebrews chapter 12. We have the benefit of learning from the faith of others who have gone on before us. Starting in verse one, therefore, since we have been, are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, who is the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Right here, we have the model that Jesus set for us on how to deal with difficult circumstances. Again, think about being Jesus on the night before he was, was taken into custody and just shortly after executed. Jesus spent time in prayer, and he was completely stressed by the outcome. He knew what was coming. He even cried out to God and said, Lord, if there is any other way for us to accomplish your purposes, can we do that instead? You know why? Because he knew the darkness. He knew the pain. He knew the separation that was on its way. Jesus was faced with some of the most terrible circumstances you can possibly imagine. And yet, what does Hebrews 11 say that Jesus looked at that circumstance as? Verse 2, again, looking to Jesus He's the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. When you read about Jesus praying in the, in, the, in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before, and he's asking for that thing to pass, 
Did he seem joyful? No. He was not experiencing joy in that moment. He was stressed. But the joy that was set before him was that he knew who God was and that God was going to accomplish something through his sacrifice. He knew that in order to accomplish God's purposes and his will, that he would have to go through this time of darkness to get to the light so that God could use him and his circumstances to save every one of us on this planet who give their life to Jesus Christ. In the same way, God calls us that we are in the midst of our darkness to hold on to what God has said in the past and so that we can now have something to hold on to as we move into the future. Continuing in the second part of verse two, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself. Why? So that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Or as the verse earlier says, so that you do not lose your hope. So you do not lose your conviction. So you do not lose God's call on your life. The most important thing for us to remember is this. We need to remember what God has done for us and others so that it will build faith in our current and future circumstances. No matter what you're facing, and I know there's a lot of hurting people at harvest time, but we understand that. Each one of us is dealing with hurt and pain in our own ways from health issues to family issues to losses that people have, lost, have gone through in the recent years. So many people are hurting at harvest time right now. If all we do is think about and, and focus and, uh, and, and, and really think about the, the suffering that we're going through, and we don't think about the joy that is set before us of what God might be attempting to do through those things, then th that darkness will become overwhelming. The darkness will become too much for us to bear because we are not called to be able to bear the darkness on our own. We are not called to be able to handle the circumstances of this world apart from God. But if we can choose to hold on to the promises that God has made, if you've lost someone, remembering that God has promised that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That you have, they have placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Life does not end. It goes on in the presence of God. If we can hold on to that promise, it doesn't make suffering through that easier, but it does give us a hope that can be, go beyond life and death. Maybe you're facing a health issue and you've been praying, God, please heal me. We can hold on to the fact that God does promise to heal, but he doesn't always promise to do it this side of eternity. Maybe right now you, you are holding on to, to, to some kind of idea that your relationships, your kids are falling, are, is falling apart and your kids aren't living the way that you want, want them to live. We can hold on to the fact that if we have poured God's word into them, that God's word does not return void in the hearts of people. We can hold on to the promises of his word if we saturate our mind with it and remember what God has done for us in the past as we face the future. So the question that I have to ask you today is this. Are you viewing your current crises, your current circumstances, as a possible faith builder for the future? 
And a faith builder, not just for you. I can't tell you how many times that I prayed, God, deliver me from a certain circumstance. God, I don't want to go through this. I don't want to do this again. I don't want this in my life. And shortly thereafter, after coming out, maybe having a little bit of a more of a mountaintop experience, somebody will come to you and say, I'm going through this. And you know exactly what it's like to go through what they're going through. You know exactly what they're going through. And you can then speak truth into the life of someone else who's going through that same negative experience that you went through. And when you went through it, you wished you weren't in it. And yet God has given you an experience to make, share the burden with somebody else. Your current crisis can build your faith, but you going through your current crisis may provide an opportunity for you to grow in your ability to walk others through a very similar crisis in the very near future. Wouldn't that be just like God to use your circumstances to bless somebody else? Listen, we have it on the wall at church all the time. We talk about it, loving God, loving people, and doing something about it. Sometimes God allows us to go through the darkness so that we can do something for somebody else that will lead them to the light. Are you viewing your current crisis as a faith builder for yourself and for others for the future? I pray that you will remember what God has done for you. If nothing else, if you are honestly telling me he has done nothing except save your soul through the person of Jesus Christ, then he is still worthy of remembering. And that hope that you have in that shines a light of hope in every other circumstance on this planet. Remember what he has done and share that with others. Let's pray. Lord, you are good. We honor you. We thank you for every opportunity you give us to worship your holy name. God, I pray that even as we face negative circumstances in our life, I pray that we will not buy the lie that we're the only ones struggling. I pray that we'll be willing and able to turn from ourselves and turn to you and ask for help from you. But Lord, I also pray that we as followers of Jesus would not be afraid to share our burdens with one another. I pray that we would understand that our current circumstances may provide benefit to others in the future. And I pray that through it all, we remember that you are faithful and greater are you that is in us and he that is in the world. Help us to hold on to that promise today, Lord Jesus. You are so good. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, thank you guys.